What's going on, everybody? It's the Load Management Podcast. I'm Chops. We got Adam in New York, a rare occurrence in yes. the city. From, <laughs> I'll take <laughs> from LA. We got Zion in the building. Yes, sir. But we also have a very special guest, ESPN's Jay Williams in the house with us. What's going on, man? Wait a second. Your name is really Zion? Yeah. That's <laughs> fucking incredible. As Zion that wears is incredible. As he wears a Duke hat. As he wears a Duke hat. Yeah, we have to paint the picture for the listeners because right now you have a Coach K Duke hat on that we ridiculed you for wearing with Jay in the building. I respect it. I got to do it. I it, respect it. It's not it. even like it's a normal, not, just like Duke logo. It's literally a goat with a K on it. Yeah, he thought that when he was wearing this. <laughs> speaks for itself. Yeah, is it right? Speaks yeah, but he, he had to explain it to me when I first saw it. I was, it, was I didn't, it didn't register it to me that I was like, what the hell does this even mean? And it's, it's a Coach K hat that has a goat on it with a K draped around it. Adam, I love you. And with all due respect, there's only one goat in college basketball. But I went to UConn, so I have a different perspective on stuff. And the, and the, and the, and the, and the, the school and the program that has won more national championships in the last 20 years, I put on a different pedestal than the alma mater for you and your favorite squad. So I come out a little bit differently. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, to each their own. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it lost. took me a while to catch the whole, you know. So you're saying thing. you thought when you saw the hat, oh, that's Jim Calhoun. That's the greatness you thought, you thought about. He thought that that's or, what you thought. He that thought or, really? He thought it was Calhoun with a K. Or I thought he just got on the street. I thought he got it from some like, guy in Times Square. You know what I mean, Z? You see where he's trying to yeah, take haters. us? Haters going to hate you. Yeah, they, they, they're naturally going <laughs> to do that. <laughs> well, Adam is a supreme hater, so that, that's been well established. I do, yes. Yeah, so that's, that's definitely my brand. As dark as humanly possible. Well, mm. you know, you're wearing all black again today. I try. He just came from L.A. Look, <laughs> tough times. <laughs> tough times. Very tough, yes. <laughs> Jay Williams, we, yo, thank you so much for coming on this pod today. It's all good, man. I want to start. Bro, ESPN got you working. <sighs> ESPN always got people working. And um, it's crazy. My man just got, God bless his soul, the best entertainer on TV. It's the Stephen A. Smith experience. Yes, sir. And, and, and St- Stephen A. has set this bar so damn high that I remember a couple of days ago, like my contract had just came up, and I was like, hey, look, I want a, a lucrative contract, and I want to be that guy. And then I was like, but damn, I see Stephen A. Smith on Sports Center at 7 a.m. I see him doing another talk show, you know, first take. Then I'm making a guest appearance on Get Up. Uh, then him doing other shows throughout the course of the day, and then him doing Sports Center leading into the game of the night. Then him doing halftime of the game. I'm like, I don't know if I want to be paid like that. Um, but it, it's a, it's a new era, man, where you have to learn to love the work. So I respect it too. What's it What's it like going against Stephen A? Do you have to like, like, like get a little cold brew in the morning, do some extra push-ups? Like you got to really be on your A game. Chops, I would say it's sometimes I find myself doing things that I would not typically do because I over embellish because I'm with Stephen A. Like sometimes <laughs> I need to sit there and myself I'm like thinking, all right, like you are on the on the first set take right now. This is Stephen A yelling at you or not staring at you when he's thinking about what his different thoughts are. There are times you're at the desk chop mm-hmm. and you'll be telling me about why you think the Knicks are bad. Yeah. And my man just have his head down and he'll be off somewhere else. And you're talking and you're giving your points and you're being animated. You're like, God damn it, Steven, listen to me. And he's like, and he's listening to you. But he's just not paying you any mind because the only thing that matters is what Stephen A is about to say next. So it's like this acting in conjunction with him being so damn knowledgeable. Yeah. And he's like a he's like a pastor on a Sunday at a at a credible church. Oh yeah. Right? He just talks in those different cadences that you just have to listen, man. So it's incredible. That's he really like you said, he sets the bar so crazy. But and he's over- he'll hit you <laughs> with things that make you think. You got it perfect. It's crazy though. Like those gaps, 
that is a tool. Yeah. People do not recognize that. The power of speech, and you can say whatever you want about the, lit- the, the media, your ability to communicate and get people to lean into those pauses, what you're about to say next, and get provoked thought, that's what he's brilliant at. So is that what you learned the most from him? You know, we did we did a boardroom sit down, and it was him and Kevin Durant, and it was on the boardroom, which was great. And I was supposed to meet a moderator, but I was going to try to really insert myself in the conversation. It's going to come out in season two. Well, actually, it already came out on ESPN Plus, which is it's it's good. But it was interesting seeing him relate to Kevin in a different way because at that time he was quote unquote a free agent. Right, but yeah. a free agent within the media space. Mm-hmm. So I, I think one of the biggest traits that I've learned from Stephen A. is that I am not always right. And sometimes I have to argue from a position of, you know, look, TV is it's either black or it's white. So I think sometimes trying to find middle ground, that's what reasonable, practical people do. Yeah. And I do that a lot, but sometimes that doesn't move the needle from a viewership perspective or strike conversation. So I've watched him learn how to accomplish that, and also learn how to backtrack when he was wrong mm-hmm. and actually own the fact that he was wrong on an opinion, which I think is endearing, which I think it makes other people want to actually sit down and communicate with you because it's not like it's just not for the sake of the show. He actually believes what he's talking about. Yeah, Stephen, he's great at it being performative, but also getting you to buy into exactly what he's saying. Like, you believe everything he said, but like you said, he's able to watch something back. He's able to sit down with Kevin Durant and maybe admit some mistakes because that was them kind of burying a hatchet because they had some issues, right? Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's it's always – and this is why I love the pro because I'll give you one little tidbit. It's funny. I was like, Stephen A., you call the move that Kevin Durant did the, the weakest move ever. Mm-hmm. So why don't you go to Fox? Why don't you go to another network? Mm-hmm. Like, you're with the best of the best here. Isn't that the same thing as mm-hmm. the Golden State Warriors? And Steve was like, oh, I never really thought about it that way before. So I think he's also – Willing, if we, if you create that space where he can't dominate a conversation, which he doesn't do maliciously, he just he has a big bravado about him, man. He walks yeah. in the room like he wouldn't talk to y'all if he walked in this room before. He would just sit there <laughs> and look at you, look at you, Zion, and stare at your outfit. And then all of a sudden the lights go on. He's like, Zion, I can't <laughs> believe the outfit, right? But that's the power of Stephen A. You learn how to entertain. Yeah, I worked for him. Um, on his talk show, quite frankly. Oh, wow. My first job out of UConn was working on the show as a researcher at, quite frankently, um, with Stephen A. Smith that debuted, what, like 2006 or seven, whatever that was. A young Adam. Yeah, very young. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> my, my, I think one of my fondest memories, I mean, he worked like an animal during those mm-hmm. days with the Philly Inquirer, ESPN, the talk show, uh, radio show. He was all over the place. But, like, his, like, you talk about him coming to a room and the demonstrative nature, he would walk around the halls and, like, the, you know, he would have this, persona and almost like be so focused and so like laser in on what he had to do that you were afraid to like interrupt him he would saunter through the office as demonstrative as any human being possibly his long ass strides with his, with his long trench coat jacket Suits, flowing yeah, in the yeah, wind yeah, yeah just know, like yes. flowing in the wind and like He's making like these shaft. massive footsteps yeah completely like completely but this like superhuman persona and um the one thing that kind of always stuck with me is just like if you want to see someone work really hard and definitely who deserves it like it really is Stephen A. Because he has busted his ass and his story. If you heard the backstory at all, like he was on um, 
Stephen Jackson and Mike Bones' podcast yeah, the recently. Up and front yeah, and talked about his uh, upbringing. But like, yeah, to see where he's come from and to see the hard work. And yeah, my biggest memory is just him coming through after one job, going to the next job, and just running through the office like crazy. Um, he is definitely an inspiration and probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest workers in sports media. Well, people people don't know what goes into TV. And it's one of the things that I like that First Take does every once in a while because I would love to do it on, on our show one day is take a fan who can – you know, bloviate via Twitter, right, about you're wrong about something and put you on the set when you have a multitude of stage directors, you have five cameras, you have people who are running around, um, you have a producer talking to you in your ear about what camera you're on or about how much long, you know, how long you have to actually make a comment and try to lose yourself in that debate with all that stuff happening on the exterior. It's challenging also to come to the table with an ironed, sharp debate and be able to pivot quickly on a point if somebody takes a point of yours. like, Or maybe you agree with them, but how you agree is everything. That, that's a skill set that people don't talk about. Yeah. Uh, that's a, the power of Gav. 100%. And you, like you said, he's so entertaining to be able to do it consistently on different shows every single day. The radio show, Get Up, First Take, like he just brings it every single time. It's crazy. And the thing I learned about him is like, that's Stephen A. Nobody can replicate that. So when I started thinking about my own personal brand, I was like, okay, I've obviously almost died in a motorcycle accident. Like my dad worked at Amex for 20 years. I loved business. What are things that are organic and authentic to me? And I'm a very introspective person, right? Mm -hmm. So when I look at the game, I don't want to be engaged in much in a debate just like, you're wrong, I'm right. Like I want to get behind more of the psychological aspects of it of yeah. what I see about traits of personalities and how people deal with adversity and do they run towards other people? Do they not? Do they try to do it on their own? Because I face those experiences, right? And I would never get to that place unless I had a mentor like a guy like Stephen A. Smith that said, this is the way I'm doing it. And you don't have to do it that way. It doesn't mean it can't be effective, though. One thing I saw that come out, uh, I think, last week, uh, the Russ and Harden thing. Yeah. When you really got into that, that was very interesting to me because, you know, you definitely brought a different perspective to that. And uh, it definitely caused some debate because people you're good. You're very good on Twitter. I'll say that. You're still catching shit for that, though. Yeah. Well, here, but people get mad. Well, you ready? Rockets fans. So I, yeah, well, people, this is what people I love. And this is great because I, I thank God I got this platform because you guys I forgot about that. <laughs> 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 I was fortunate to play the game at a very high level. Mm -hmm. I only played one year. Everybody's damn right. But I studied the game like crazy. And I also think about this di dichotomy of a perspective. I played the game with the second pick in the draft at a very, very high level where I was able to do things at a very quick sp speed. Then I got hurt. So all of a sudden I saw the game from a drastically slower speed where I needed to focus on other aspects of the game. Right. So when I keep that play in particular, it doesn't mean that they have trust issues for their whole relationship. It's like life. The season is like life. It's a series of ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. But sometimes things that happen at the beginning of a relationship could come back at the end of a relationship. So who's focusing on those type of things? So my point was, if the ball is gathered at the half-court line by James and another player, one player ran past the ball that was guarding him, so another player is picking him up, and he sees Russell Westbrook wide open in the corner, it could be one second. In the NBA, one second feels like a damn lifetime. It feels like 10 minutes. He's staring at him that one second, and then he decides to take a dribble. Any other person, if I were playing with you, Chop, in a regular pickup game, or you, Adam, and I saw that one guy was on my left side who just ran by me, another guy was coming to pick me up, and you're butt naked in the corner, wide open, without even thinking, swing it, shoot it, shoot it. 
AD wouldn't think about that way with LeBron. PG wouldn't think that way with Kawhi. Kyrie wouldn't think that way with Kevin. And the fact that James took one dribble, it seemed like his thought process, which if you're James, you probably think this way. Damn, man, I'm getting double teamed, but I can score against double teams. Hmm. Is, is the probability of me making my shot different than a guy who's wide open who might be left open for a reason? Well, he's not double thinking if Eric Gordon's on the wing. No, he's, he's not, not thinking he's if not Tucker's that. in the corner. Like, I had this happen to me my sophomore year in college. Mike Dunleavy said it to one of my teammates, and I will not divulge his name, but we came into a huddle on my teammate. I was like, yo, I'm open. I'm open, man. Passing the ball. And Don, and Mike was like, yo, you're open for a damn reason, bro. Well, well, you shoot 20% <laughs> yeah. from the three-point line. Like, they want you to shoot. And my thing is, to a degree, like, that says a little bit. Now, rather, whether Russ acquiesces to understanding that and is okay with that, that's a different conversation. But, like, that minute showed me a little bit about where they were in that relationship. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't is, mean it can't the, get better, by Russ the way. is shooting 22% from three right now. So, I mean, like, you understand the hesitancy. Both of those guys are so polarizing. NBA Twitter, in a nutshell, is fan, like, stands of James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Agreed. No matter what, Russ could shoot 10 for 30 a night, but if he has a triple-double, he'll have stands in your mentions going nuts <laughs> that, yo, he got a triple-double, it doesn't matter. They'll say it no matter what. And I like Russ. I'm a Russ fan. But you have to admit that, one, that pairing, I don't think it's going to be a, a pairing that wins a championship. And, two, it's a pairing that Russ isn't the player that he was efficiency-wise. He's just not an efficient guy on, on the court. And, you know, like you pointed out, Harden probably recognizes that it's more likely that he's going to be able to beat a double team and go score than pass for Russ in the corner. Well, the part that becomes hard is – when you're in transition, when you're throughout the course of a regular season, yeah, Russ, go get your triple-doubles. Go do that all the time. But when you get to playoffs, man, that's half-court. That's half-court basketball. And a lot depends if they get Eric Gordon back. I think they'll be a different team. But like, even if you have a shooter, like you're going to play off Russ. You're going to give more help towards James Harden and other things. So if, you, if the game's slowing down and you limit the amount of possessions, then I'm saying you have to be more efficient, which we're talking about Russell Westbrook not being efficient. Mm -hmm. So, look, the numbers are just skewing towards that. Now, I still think they have a chance to be an anomaly I still because I, of their style in which they play. Plus, you don't know how seedings are going to go. You know, yeah. maybe they go against a Utah or a team that's in the force. Who knows? And mm -hmm. the Lakers and the Clippers meet in the semifinals. Like, so it depends upon pairing as well. They could be there at the end of the year. But in general, when that when that transaction was made in July, did you look at it as, as a good thing in the regular season? And I bring that up because, like, when Houston came to L.A., and I brought this up on a previous podcast, like, yeah. Doc Rivers talked about how what he thought of the pairing and when that happened. And he said from a coach perspective – it made a lot of sense, and it was actually a good move because it gave the Rockets pace. It gave them a different mentality to kind of defend against and kind of just game plan around. So from your player perspective, is that a good thing? Is it a positive thing for them in the regular season? We yeah. obviously know the, the drawbacks in the postseason, but overall when that transaction went down, do you think it was a good thing? I think it's a different thing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> It's a different thing. Yeah. I, I often think that we, we have a hard time remembering what the hell happened a week ago, right? So let's put this into context. These dudes were a couple plays away from beating Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson. If they don't run into maybe one of the greatest teams of all time, regardless of whether you think they're the greatest team or not, they're in debate. I mean, they don't, the have, conversation. Yeah, if they don't have a bad shooting night. They win. They win. Yeah. If Chris they Paul, win. If, if Chris Paul's hamstring doesn't. Yeah, a million, they win. A million, yeah. Prime yeah. example, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, all of a sudden, it's been fascinating to me that people get so quickly on this kick. Oh, it doesn't work. And then all of a sudden, that team becomes disassembled. 
And then you're like, well, now we're going to bring in somebody else. We're going to make it work. But he's not as good of a shooter, you know, as a CP3. So it, it's um, it can still work because the landscape has changed. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's better. Yeah. CP3 is balling, too. He, Yo, and I give him I give him credit, man. You think about this junction. Granted, granted, I think he's owed like fifty million over the next. He's he's, he's, he's getting paid. He's well compensated. Stupid. Well compensated. The contract. God. If I only I got a ten. You were born in the wrong era. If only I didn't. <sighs> but it's like I give him credit, man. He's playing on a team with Shea Gilgis Alexander, who can go right. It's easy for a vet at that stage of his career not to have that ego to be like, get out of here and try to sabotage him. Like and they're they're hunting a playoff spot, man. They're right there. He's close balling. to being he's balling. There. I give them credit. Yeah. He's balling. One of my locks over thirty-five wins for the uh, no thirty-two it, and a half wins for the looking, That was one of my locks. Looking yeah. very good right yeah. there, man. Looking. I had I had the Pelicans doing that too, but then I, I, to, I, I, w- to, I was just about to bring this up. Damn the, Zion, you killed me. Man. <laughs> the Pelicans. <laughs> I didn't realize how bad their record was until like I saw it last night. Damn. Six and twenty-two, but Zion, not you. The actual Zion. The actual. Oh, <laughs> the actual. Just, he's weight-bearing. <laughs> he's taking. He's wa- Wait, can we, can we talk about that video real quick? Yeah. There's video of him taking some chumpers. Yes. Because yep. he looked a little. We had this debate internally, <laughs> and we were kind of busting our Zion's chops just a little bit about this. But, like, he didn't look fluid, looked kind of a little hobbling. I know David Griffin's kind of saying the right things, that he's weight-bearing, and he's ready to kind of do this and that, and, like, give it time. Like, he'll be back. But I, I love that, you, by the way, weight-bearing. Yeah, it's, it's like another two. That's again. breaking news. Well, yeah. It's Zion, weight-bearing. Well, this is the load management podcast. So, Fair like, there, there, are, there are key hot words in the NBA. But, yeah, weight-bearing. But, anyway, that video that we saw that, you know, the Pelicans put out, it's like, I'm still, like, highly suspect that he's going to be anywhere near ready to come in the All-Star break or any time in the near future because, like, he barely looked like he was moving. Now, that being said, when he walks around normal, it doesn't exactly look like the most fluid individual of all time, but still, like... Is he playing we had, this year? Is yeah, he playing like, this it year? Looked, I'll just say it this way. From a, from the casual NBA you know, Twitter standpoint, it wasn't exactly the most encouraging video we saw of Zion moving around on a basketball court. Zion's crazy competitive. Of course he's going to want to play. But if I'm management, I'm not stressed about Zion playing this year. I'm not stressed. And I, I, I love my fans. But, like, look, we have to secure this asset. Yeah. This dude is the third largest individual in the NBA, weight-wise. Third largest. Wait, ri- wow. Weight-wise. Wait, right now or are you talking about ever? Right now. I think uh, who was behind Boban. Boban. Oh, yeah, Boban's bigger. 300 yeah. pounds. And then, um, God, there's one other player. I forget, I'm drawing oh, a blank on his name. One other player is like two. a seven. Um, Taco Fall, you know he's in the G League. Yeah. Oh, Wait, he's 7'6". Well, he should. He's a foot he's taller seven, than Zion, six. so yeah. Yeah, but how about he's only like 15, 20 pounds yeah. heavier. So. Yeah, yeah. And Zion's 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, LeBron's one of the heaviest guys also. So. Well, yeah, I yeah. agree with you. But my thing is that his – and I'm, gonna, I'm curious to get your opinion on this. His body type is crazy because he's knock-kneed. Have you ever seen uh, his knees? So yeah, he yeah, walks yeah. inward. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I tried to give this example the other day on air where I was like, hey, look. Your risk mitigation, your insurance is going to be high if you're skydiving all the damn time. It's going to be a lot lower if you're just walking from your front door to your mailbox getting your your mail. Mm -hmm. Zion is skydiving right now because his skill set isn't conducive to him walking to the mailbox, shooting mid-range jumpers, shooting threes. His skill set is trying to bang over you. He's a highlight reel, right? He is changing the landscape of the game. So when you're constantly battling trees, trying to dunk over the top of trees or trying to maneuver in the lane. Think about the volume of people that are consolidated in that paint, right? You're increasing your risk of injury again. 
to already having a history of injury. That's what I get worried about him. Like, so I want to see him work in other aspects of his game to even out the overall skill set of his game that can decrease that risk injury. What did you think when David Griffin, we, you and I had this kind of debate, your yeah. boy David Griffin, when he My came man. out. Um, I'm a Cavs fan, by the way. Okay. From, Just, from Cleveland. Yeah. Like your backcourt. Do you? I like I like I like one of the I like Darius Garland. Okay, I like Darius Garland. I missed on Colin Sexton, but I still love Colin Sexton. He, yo, intense player. He gives it his all. I know. It's not really working right I now. I thought he would be more like a Russell Westbrook type of player. He when just, he came the, vi- the, the vision just isn't there. And I gotta tell you too, man. When it all depends, like a lot, a lot of people hate on players. Like my rookie year, I only played one year in the league. Yo, I I didn't come in and just run pick and roll. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I averaged like 14 points. Like, oh, you had a down year. Yo, we ran the triangle. <laughs> <laughs> we ran the triangle. Like, yeah. There was a there was a cut for every pass that happened, mm. and the triangle was built for guys like Michael and Kobe, big mm. time wings or big time centers like Shaq. Sure. Yeah. We had Eddie Curry, who was our big that we were running it through, and we had Bill Cartwright, who was a coach yeah. who was young us about getting the ball down to Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry, right? Yeah. So like it was just it depends upon system. So mm. Colin Sexton. Them already trying to run John Beeline out of the equation, right? Even though they're on pace to have more wins than what they had last year. They are. They by are. the way, it's so it's just interesting to me. Situation is everything. It, it is, and and that's a it's a motion, it, heavy motion in, in Beeline's system, and it's just, I don't know. When Garland plays without Clarkson and Sexton, he looks really really good. When he plays with two other ball dominant guys, it's hard. It, it's it's tough. Yeah. So uh, why has Billy Donovan worked okay in Oklahoma City, and right now John Beeline struggling big time with the Cavs? What crazy philosophy is Beeline trying well, to install I mean, that's, that's causing I, a mini revolt on some players, the, the, the I, true vets? I feel like Donovan has a better relationship with management okay. there, whereas John is just kind of starting off. It's always going to be rocky. You know, a little yeah. bit. Especially I mean, obviously, when you're Donovan has five years of but, working. But also, with the it's things haven't been like great with Donovan. Like they they wanted him out out of there. Like kind of. Yeah, but have you heard like major rumors and like major rumblings that he's on the way out, or they want him out? I, mean, I, I I've heard those rumblings, but also I mean they're revamping, right? I mean they're yeah they're in a yeah, rebuild. I mean, yeah, it's so like right now you're like, slack, what are you yeah. going to try to bring in? Somebody I guess more new? the better question is what kind of college coach works well to come into the NBA in terms of philosophy wise or personality wise? Like how would because again it's a very tough trans, it's a tough transition. Obviously, how you go about coaching guys and managing guys in college is very different than the NBA. You're dealing with grown men and professionals, but is there a certain kind of personality that makes it easier for those guys to come into the NBA than others? I think when you're in college, is you know, I've often thought about if I ever wanted to be a coach, you know, would I would I try to coach collegiately or would I try to coach at the NBA level? I think it's easy when you're at the collegiate level, uh, the amount of power that you have seems like it's astronomical. Mm-hmm. You control every facet of your program, from class schedules to when kids eat to when they work out to when they go to sleep, what the watches with managers, all these different things, and that's a little bit that's addicting because addictive because now all of a sudden I can like the equation what we get in the output I feel like I have so much more involved in the process of helping us get to the end of the equation mm-hmm. whereas when you're in a league you're bad in a lot of ancillary things like guys have their own families guys have other things that they're doing like yeah. they, and some guys might make a lot more money into you so it has to be a personality that has to be malleable the, yeah the, somebody who resonates more with the players than more so with the structure of how the players get there yeah. and the Cavs thing seemed to stem from he's trying to be very controlling which makes sense i mean he's he's trying to come in and do what he did i'm sure it will take time i like beeline i think it could do well um it's interesting because you know whose name got brought up say popovich does retire whenever bill self 
got mm. got brought up. As He's a name. one I think can make. He can translate. Yeah, really. Yes. Why? Mm. Just Wait. because there's a. I mean, I'm sorry, a, I didn't mean to take no, no. I'm just saying it, it, on the subject. Just Bill Self being brought up as a Spurs job is very interesting. Well, I know he has the ties to the Spurs organization. Like obviously yeah. Buford, he goes back with, yep. and that kind of makes sense. But like, yeah, what is there something about his personality yes. with you in the background, of the college game that makes him a, potentially a good NBA coach right away? He's crazy laxed. Oh, like he's chill. Right? It's um So that's why Kansas is getting destroyed with sanctions. That's a whole about to that's a whole different conversation. A lot of teams have been yes. hit with sanctions. Oh no, every, playing. every team so they're no, still playing. Every team is doing <laughs> and bullshit and okay. nonsense. Yes, exactly. If you ain't you're not winning if you're not cheating in college. And so. then black assistant coaches fall on the sword yeah, and go to jail. There's, there's a lot of layers to it, yes. You opened it, Adam. I did, yeah. Adam always goes. I think it's interesting, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, be, having a chance to be around a lot of head coaches collegiately, that attention to detail that I just spoke about is it's overwhelming for a lot of guys. Like, you literally have to make – even working with Seth Greenberg, right? Seth, we were going to real for game days. Like, he would call me coach. He'd be like, coach, 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 what, what's our damn schedule? What's our schedule? And I'm like, Seth, we just got a show from <laughs> 10 to 12. He's like, yeah, but were you we working out beforehand? Or are we going to watch some tape? You know, I, I watched Sacred Heart play, and I'm like, Seth, Sacred Heart? Like, they're not in the Power yeah. Five. It's like, I know, I, I, I want to watch some tape, right? And I, like, that is, that's like a big brother to me. I love him more than anything. That's the way he's built. I'm not saying that Bill Self is not built that way, but I think, like, how I see Bill with his players, how I see him run a practice, it seems way more NBA-like than college-like, where it's like, here's exactly what we're going to do, when we're going to do it. Uh, he kind of gives them more freedom, a stylistic level of play than I would see at the collegiate level. That's why I would say that. That's interesting. So maybe that's why you know his name. And I think, it, I mean, obviously, whoever replaces Popovich has an impossible job because that's probably the greatest, top five greatest NBA coach ever, I would say. Yeah. So, can, I, can, I, can I ask you guys something about yeah, this? Because I was curious. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're a Knicks fan? Nets. He's a Nets, Nets fan. fan. Loyal, okay. loyal Nets Adam, fan. I live in Brooklyn. Respect. Yeah. Adam's a Knicks fan. Okay. Cavs fan. All right. So this would be a great question for you, Adam. So at the time – when David Fisdale was fired, right? Who would you consider to be the greatest coach in the NBA right now? You have to say Popovich. Hands down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. I hesitated for like two seconds. Two I was like, that's idiotic. That's it's Popovich. Fine. Doc Rivers yeah, so came at, to mind, but Doc, Popovich. Okay. I, well, but yeah, Popovich, Doc, right? Doc is up there, and I enjoy covering Doc in L.A., but still Popovich. Okay. Yeah. So at that time when David Fisdale got fired, the Spurs had four more wins than the New York Knicks. So when did expectations become that the Knicks were going to be a playoff team? Let's talk about it. I thought this was supposed to be like a growing experience. Mm -hmm. And granted, I'll say this. When you look at their personnel, I don't know if you could put them in better systems that would help that person. They have out. nine power forwards for shooting. Listen, if you want to shit on the Knicks for the next half an hour, I'm well, game. I'm, I'm game. Curious. So I'm completely <laughs> game to shit on the Knicks for the next let's, half an hour. Let's talk about why Fisdale, I mean, in my opinion – he was obviously a scapegoat to that situation. Uh, I think that well, the other 13 coaches, Ben, as for well. sure. I think Fisdale, when he got there, was probably like, hey, I get to coach Porzingis. And then they traded Porzingis for a bunch of draft picks. They whiffed on KD and Kyrie. And now they have a bunch of power forwards and no shooting. And, and, but, they, and they were like, we have to do something. I would love to coach the Knicks. I mean, but that, that's like a – that's. I'm just getting paid a lot of well, money. You, you want to do it? And then money. I'm going to be gone, and then I can start my <laughs> yeah. life again. Fizdale, like, you get the money. Fizdale has yeah. two and a half years of sitting on a beach and getting paid handsomely for it, and that's great for him. But as you know, as you know, as we all know, the, the fuckery that happens and the paranoia and the dysfunction – 
is never going away in Madison Square Garden. And that starts at the top and it permeates throughout. And if you know people that have worked in the garden and you hear stories, it's just not going away. And people get scapegoated all the time. And I made the I made the comparison to communism in Chernobyl a couple of weeks ago, which I won't do again. We're not going wow. I won't on do this again. podcast. I won't I did, yes. A lot of, I took um, well, interesting. Our, our listeners were like, <laughs> a "What bit are more, you talking yeah, about?" A little bit more intellectual deep dive than usual, but still, I kind of made that comparison. But like, I mean, yeah, guys get scapegoated all the time over there. And Fizdale now is kind of getting even uh, reamed even more because Mike Miller's ruled off, you know, two straight wins, I thought, it's three and three since he took over. But I roll, yes, it's like the player personnel they have right now. The guys play they have so much harder for Mike. Miller. I exa- they announced I it was Mike not, Miller, and I was like, like, "Oh, my man, Mike Miller." And it, I realized it wasn't. The point is, assistant coach, <laughs> yeah. not the guy who's assistant coach at Memphis, Memphis, the one that won. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Oh, he left Memphis." Memphis already, and it's not him. Yeah, yeah, the point is is that when you don't have any real legitimate plan, and your plan is always that at some point in the near future, we're going to sign a bunch of free agents and then be good. Like, you're going to be a garbage franchise year in and year out. And that's what the Knicks have been basically since Steve Mills has come back and to take charge in 2013. Well, Jay, who should who should be the next kid? I don't know. Mark Jackson. Why Van, would you want it? Van Gundy. I, 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 why would you want should, the job? Should they? You know, a lot of this has to do with Steve Mills and Scott Perry. Yeah. And you can have the most qualified person to try to be the coach. Um, But I I, I think this is one of the major problems. Like when I go through the pros and the cons of coaching in college or coaching at the league level is that, you know, if you're at the league level, if you don't have autonomy with the players that you're allowed to draft that are built style suited for the system that you want to run, that's tough. You're not really involved. You think you have a voice in those decisions, but realistically you don't. Uh, to a certain degree, unless you negotiate that in your contract. Whereas in college, oh, I want to recruit Zion. I'm going to go get him. I know what he fits into, and I I think that's going to be a tough situation. I mean, it, Mark Jackson, I, I know people have thrown out that name. I, I like the fact that Mark Jackson has been a part of the DNA here with the Knicks. Um, but I don't want to see that happen to Mark Jackson. I don't want to see never him go see, through see that. See, Mike, we, we wrote about this on the on the site. It's up there about the Knicks, the, the four candidates that have been kind of named. Yeah. And that's Van Gundy. Mark Jackson, Tom Thibodeau, and Jason Kidd. Those are the yeah. guys that have kind of definitively been as the star candidates potentially. Mm-hmm. And you can poke holes in their resumes here and there. But, like, for Jackson, my perspective, it's like he's a guy that thrives on saying, you know, being real authentic, being a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. That would never fly to MSG. It's like he would have to muzzle himself so much. It's like why would he do that when he can have a better job or just continue being awesome at broadcasting and make a shit ton of money and doing that? It's like why would you want to come back and deal I, with this dumpster fire that's the Knicks? It seems like Same he with wants Van to Gunny coach. to me. It seems like he wants to coach, though. Mark, Mark, it does. I know one of the things I've heard, and I don't know this to be true or not because I haven't been in the huddle with Mark Jackson, is his basketball IQ. You know, I've always thought it to be somewhat high, but I've heard rumors of things like you know, him drawing up plays and things of that sort. I, I, I like Jason Kidd, too. Uh, I think Jason Kidd is interesting. Look, his his short stint in Milwaukee. I mean, Giannis raves about him. Yeah. Giannis, yes, Giannis yes. raves about him. Said it made him, yeah, help help him become a superstar. Well, and the, when you have him vouching for you, that that like goes a long way in the NBA. Well, the report that came out recently was the Knicks should hire a kid to get Giannis. I, I, well, that's get in the Giannis this is, oh, but, this is the, but again, this, oh, God. this is the bullshit. So here we are again. again. It's the here bullshit. Don't Knicks do it win. to yourself. Yeah. 21. It's the same nonsense year in, year out. It's like they have some crazy, stupid scheme that's going to get them some superstar. And it never comes to fruition. <laughs> and that's their only plan. And when that's your only plan throughout the history of Well, not the history, but like, again, since Steve Mills has come through, it's like, how are things going to change? Unless Steve Mills changes and you actually have a plan in place, it's going to be continued shit for the foreseeable future. Well, can I just tell you guys something? It was so fascinating. And, you know, look, Kevin and I have an interesting relationship, and he's, he's like a brother to me. You should see the amount of arguments that we get on via IG, right? 
if I say something that he disagrees with, he's like, yo, you're wrong. That's wrong. And we go at it, right? Like, <laughs> and we've had this conversation about even, you know, being critical sometimes. I'm going to have to be of his game and things that he does, right? Uh, but that's how I try to build relationships with everybody in general. Like, I'm just doing my job. But I still have love for everybody. And the way you give context upon that is everything. But it was so fascinating to me doing the boardroom with them and then being thrusted into this conversation where people are like, oh, maybe you can help. You know, sway. Where's Kevin going? Like, yeah, you you became. I have no goddamn <laughs> you, clue. Every, right? Like, get up was like must watch TV in July because you guys were just waiting. Everyone was looking at you to have like an answer. I'm walking down the street and Nick fans are like, "Don't fuck with this, Jay." And I'm like, "I had nothing to do with this decision. I'm an innocent bystander here." But it, it it was also crazy to me though, like understanding who Kevin was, and I'll tell you guys, like being with him, like, and I've never like. It's not until you go through a real moment of adversity you get a chance to see who somebody truly is, right? For me, obviously, that moment of adversity was my motorcycle accident. But, like, watching Kevin being with him the day of him going through blowing his Achilles and seeing how much he was all about playing and, and feeling that and then watching that happen to him, it was so fascinating to me watching people call Kevin like a snake before that, and then all of a sudden him becoming somewhat of the people's Hero. champ. Yeah. Right? Like he Very came quick. back to play. Yeah. And how people started rooting for him. But that's always been who he, he is. is. But it's, it was fascinating being on that journey, watching other people like, you know, hey, Jay, what do you think if you were to come play here? What do you think if you were to come play here? Or this person wants to reach out to you. I'm like, yo, man. Like, but I don't think the Knicks were really in. I don't think Kevin ever saw the Knicks in that conversation. Wow. But the Knicks saw themselves in that conversation yeah. <laughs> and started like bloviating about that. And then that became a news story. And like you just wonder how many times are they gonna put their foot in their mouth before like it's Well they're already doing it. They're they already they're already talking about Giannis. Like I yeah. wouldn't talk about anybody. Well, I'm not yeah, talking about they hold, anybody. They hold press conferences ten games into the season and apologize for performances and send out missives. You know, at the uh, just before free agency really starts apologizing to the fan base. Like they do things so ass backwards and so crazy, it just boggles the mind that you guys continually get things wrong about how to actually run a franchise and what's the right move to make. And again, it ain't going to change until the personnel changes who are making these decisions. And hopefully, at some point, they'll come to that realization that you got to clean house and get new faces, new voices in there. But it ain't gonna happen, and it's yeah. like, and I want to ask you this: It's like, you know, I Kevin, don't want to go too far into well, a dark hole here. Right? Yeah, 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 we don't. We don't I, mean, I am a dark individual, so <laughs> I could go down. We could stay there the entire time. But let me ask you this question: Because Kevin had the interesting comment on what was it, Breakfast Club, about the Knicks, yeah, about, about how they're not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, from your when you came into the league, though, like how different? I, I agree with you; they're not cool right now. And I, if you grew up in his age, and he's younger than than you and I, because we're roughly the same age, like it's a different mentality. Like I grew up in the '90s Knicks that were the shit and like well, ruined, ruled this town. And then ever since Van Gundy left, it's been complete garbage. I will say that the the Knicks tape Knicks were cool Mello, for one Mello, season. That's Mello, one season. Shump, yeah, that JR, that's one, one season. season. That, that was a cool uh, era of the Knicks. Since but 1999, that's when the last time they went to the finals, they've had one season. That's it. One season, only one playoff win. And I get that guys of Kevin's age and the younger superstars in the NBA, they don't fuck with the Knicks and think they're cool the same way the Warriors are on the other teams. But when you came into the league, it was a different story. Look, man, the Knicks, it's a gold mine. It's a gold mine. It's, fans are dying for some monumental player to be like, that <laughs> shit is mine. It's mine. I want it. It takes one, right? But I will say this. When somebody says Knicks to me, this is where I go. I don't go back to the 90s, even though I, I like basketball. I was, I was more of a Phoenix fan. I love Charles Barkley when he played. Well, with yeah, yeah you're a Jersey guy, too. You're a Nets fan. I, yeah, kind of in the Nets fan, right? Uh, but 
when I hear Knicks, I think about, okay, Derrick Rose disappearing. Yep. I think about Charles Oakley being escorted out of MSG in handcuffs. Embarrassing. I think about James Dolan going to podcast. We're going to land Kevin. We're going to land Kyrie. <laughs> Ewing wasn't treated that well either. Ewing wasn't treated that the one, well. The one legend from the nine, like <laughs> the, the, the arguably the greatest he player wasn't. in franchise history, was treated like garbage for a while. I, I, I go back to so many other things before I go to 90s Knicks. Like, yeah. think about it. it it's, it's been 20 years in that gap, but it feels like 50 years, man. Yeah. Like, with, especially with how we become over consumed with the, the last story. Like, you're only as good as your last story. I mean, think about how many bad stories they've had as their last story. I can only imagine. Yeah, and I can only imagine. And I've said this. I won't. I can't reveal them on the podcast. But uh, the some of the stories I've heard about Nick's ownership, yeah. and I'm sure you have plenty too. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like, like that. It's like, that it, could be its own podcast, and that could be like a multi-series podcast. But you know, for, that, for, that for, name's for like, reason. That name's like Voldemort around. There. <laughs> exactly. Yes, we have <laughs> to kind of. We have exactly. to. We have to. Yeah, we have to be kind of careful here I, and there. I want to talk about the narrative because, like, people brought this up when Kevin and Kyrie went to the Nets. Seven Eleven. The narrative that they're scared—they were scared to play for the Knicks. They couldn't handle the heat. What's the or not the heat of play of of playing for the Knicks instead of the Nets? Fat well, Joe said it. Like a lot of people, just like they, they they really questioned that they couldn't they couldn't handle it. Like that is just crazy to me. Yo, I mean, can you think about this? Like New York Knicks fans, like this city in general, we eat our own. Like we love you until we really really hate you. And then if you don't achieve at a high level, <laughs> we really hate you. As a former gossip reporter, we build you up to break you down. Yep. One million percent, man. And I'm going to say this. like, Yes, yeah, different strokes for different folks. Some dudes feel like they're big enough and they don't need that attention. They're going to get that attention with where they decide to go. Right? Like Giannis is getting – Giannis will get exponentially more attention in New York City. But Giannis is getting a shitload of attention now in Milwaukee. Yes. Does Giannis need the attention of New York? So fans are like, oh, why wouldn't you want to be here? Some guys don't need to be here in order to get what they want out of it. Mm -hmm. And with that comes – like, that's where I, it makes me think about, yo, the shit that Derek Jeter was able to accomplish here. <sighs> but that was before social media really popped off. Man. Like, all if I'm gonna Twitter – But if Twitter and Instagram were around – Two words that are legendary for Derek Jeter. Gift baskets. Gift yeah. baskets. <laughs> that man is a legend. <laughs> the fact that, like, like and, but that doesn't ha – he is an anomaly. Yeah. He is an anomaly. We don't protect our own like well, that anymore in these well, days. Gift baskets and NDAs. Uh, they go you you want to go on the latter yeah. part. That, that's, that's not me. No, I'm saying that, I'm that saying was in the report. That. that was in the report. I don't know. Gift baskets I, and NDAs. It's, I just it, learned about gift baskets. It's just crazy <laughs> to me that people think that Kevin Durant, the man who went to the Golden State Warriors – after they had just won 73-9 games, so people think that he couldn't make it on the New York Knicks. That's just wild to me. Well, well, I mean, in full transparency, the Knicks didn't want him after he had the injury, right? That's what. Well, they said they didn't want to pay him fully. Yeah. They didn't want to pay are, him fully. Yeah. That's, that's what. That's what ownership came so out and said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what they I, said <clears throat> again. There you go. That's what they said. But are we? I'm not going to believe also, that. that what? Yeah, it's also, yeah. Owners lie all the time. Yeah, what? Like. I mean, yeah. Owners. I am not believing that. If Kevin and Kyrie said to them, "We're coming." The Achilles, whatever. But that's, Max contracts are on the table. Let me say this to you guys, and I, I don't mean to go on a tangent. But it, it's... Oh, go on a tangent. You know, I've had to deal with something in my life where if you disagree with me, it's easy for people to throw my accident in my face instead of actually articulating in an intellectual form why they disagree with me and actually debating with me, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this whole society we live in where we're just going to throw stones at people. And 
there's also this misconception that because you make a lot of money that your life is very, very easy. Making a lot of money is a blessing. Uh, it's, it's a blessing. But I also think for it, it also comes with a lot of other shit that you don't have to pay attention to when you don't have money, mm-hmm. right? Like there's trust issues that you have with people. You don't know who's around you for what reason. And also in this culture now, we don't, like I even when I'm on air, I'm like, let me actually just talk about the game itself because there's a tendency for us to talk about everything but the game. We talk about your lifestyle off the court that how does that not feed into a little bit of how do you just shield that off every single time when people are taking strikes? Like think about, we just talked about Zion. You imagine if you're Zion hearing this shit all the time, like, we live in a world where we're obsessed with ourselves via Twitter, right? Think about, mm-hmm. or Instagram, how am I framing my story? What, what am I posting? What am I into? You're naturally looking at that. It's a little bit narcissistic for all of us. How does that not inform a little bit of your own ego about who you are if you're dealing with constant jabs from people questioning your personality? And it's easy for people to say, oh, stay off social media, stay off all this other shit, but everybody else in the world is on it. <laughs> all your other friends, everybody you interact with is dealing with it. People come to me with like, oh man, you said that about Harden. How are you doing? You doing okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't pay attention to half that shit. But for me to say, like, it doesn't affect me because people, you know, reacted to a lot of my headlines. Like, I even see sometimes where I'll say something and I'll give context, but ESPN will post it with a different headline, right? And yeah. I see people react to the headlines without even yeah. listening to what I said. So then if my daughter's on social media one day and people start attacking, how is that going to affect my family? Those are major things, right? Mm-hmm. It's yep. not easy just to navigate that. So I see where guys are like, I don't know if I want to make that decision to come here and be a part of that. If that comes along with being a New York Nick, I don't know if I want that. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's built for that. Yeah, It takes different to handle that. So I re- look, it's a real conversation. Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, I think Kyrie and Kevin did what's best for them, and they seem very happy, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, They're like know. the bad boys, man. Like they are. They're going to find different ways to attack them, and they're just going to use that shit as motivation. Like They're uh, just different. Yeah, oh. I mean, Knicks fans are going to forever be in their feelings about them you know, blowing off the Knicks. But from their perspective, why the hell would you go to the Knicks? Like, I mean, you have a much better situation in Brooklyn that, uh, again, a franchise that actually knows what the fuck it's doing right now and has a plan mm, in place. Speak on it. And, uh, Facts. <laughs> you, oh, you didn't have the same energy. energy. You, you didn't have the same energy. He left your side. He just left Jay Williams. Oh, Sean Marks, some love. It's all good. Yeah. And, Sean Marks, and Sean Marks is a good guy, too, like a real one. You actually have a conversation with him and, like, give you real, like, insights about stuff. And, and so I'll say it's this like, for Kyrie, too, man. Like, look, if my wife were to publicly display and document my mood swings over the past like two weeks of my life, you guys would think I'm a little crazy too. (laughs) Like it's just, here's all I'm saying, Adam, is that there's some days, man, like where I'll talk to everybody. There's some days that something happens, like my mom gets sick, where I don't know how to deal with that. I might not, I might be shorter with somebody or I might be coming out of the rain. I might not, I can't interact with everybody. One, I can't bat a thousand all the time. Mm -hmm. And obviously Kyrie deals with stuff, Right? There are times he's happy, too. But I also think it's a weird relationship now between some athletes and the media. It is. Some very, dudes feel like very. they're attacked all the I time. I mean, the it's one like, thing. Even that report, right? The report. Like, we did a report. And then like, it, it became a headline the next day. And then the Nets reacted to it like, oh, we thought. You You're were talking about Jackie McMullen. We, uh, yeah, we thought this yeah. story was going to be something different. Yeah. So think about what that does. All of a sudden, if you're a corporation, you're like, okay. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about the Kyrie Instagram post, the story, you and I discussed oh, this briefly, was... which we can spend an he... hour dissecting that thing. Ooh. But in general, like a general from the average fan's perspective, 
you know, it's like, and even from a media perspective too, it's like, you know, I know Kyrie and some of the way he gets analyzed and gets picked apart, you know, with his personality wise and who he is as a person and motivations. Like, I would get, I, I can sympathize with his frustration and the anger about that. Like, no one wants to have your personality kind of, you know, yes. dissected in that kind of way. But at the same time, like, you kind of know what you're signing up for. It's when you guys go into the NBA and you're making this much money, you're in a public setting and you know that your Bro. your work gets picked apart, like, can, you do know what you're signing up for. Can I tell you, this is the new celebrity reality form of therapy. Yeah. yeah. That's what we're experiencing right now. And one of the, the, the negative things about public therapy, which is what people are looking for, like, look, there's even stuff like, you know, about a player's wife the other day. I'm not going to say who because I don't talk about Well, names. you can go on. Yeah, you can right? Google Just real literally, quick. You can Google. <laughs> well, it's on, it's on complex sports right now. So praying if <laughs> praying yeah, yeah. about a scenario that's happening that yes. happens in a lot of people's lives. One of our favorites, but we won't name names right now. So here's what here's what's tough about being in that position doing that. Other people do that. And in a way, they almost if they don't have that notoriety, they get some sympathy. They get consoling from other people. Yep. People like Kyrie do that. And people are quick to say, how are you complaining about it? it goes it, it's a completely different shift of mm. frame of mind with how we deal with it so like i i look at it differently because man i had to write a book about my own experience right like i had to literally go through thousands of papers and be like damn like am i being real with myself like am i being real do i want to give a real account with where i was at that given time in my life and portray that to the public and open myself to other people deeming what they seem valuable or not or how i handle it and when they go through the same fucked up shit all the time and they make poor decisions but like that's that's somebody's way of trying to say like look I'm just reaching out for help I'm trying to figure shit out too that's how I look at it now I know we have to react to it media wise it's just a tough position to be in it's not easy no we're all human beings and like again like you said you all go through we all go through shit there's different stuff you have to deal with and you can catch someone in a bad mood in certain situations and and I get that completely but it's like there are times where the complaints come through and you know i will put on the fan and kind of media hat where it's like you guys do know what you signed up for and this is kind of this is par for the course is what you have to deal with and it's not i'm not necessarily saying it's right or that's the way it should be you're holding but you're just hold, it's reality you're holding kyrie irving accountable i'm saying that there's well to a degree i mean perspective hold yeah perspective yes, i mean you, you have to have proper perspective and like you know a lot of fans obviously it's like you know he wants it one way but expecting it to be the other way and it's tough to that's have that's a lot that of people though it's Alan. a lot of, no i'm not I'll, again I'll that's society like, in general I, I, yeah. I, I see Kyrie always like i'm going to his tournament this weekend in brooklyn he's doing like a um, a hoops classic for high school right i'm going to be there cuz i always support some of the things he does but like Yo, Kyrie is a person who's trying to figure out things like everybody else. Yeah. Like, that's how I look at it. And this is a ride, man. Yeah. This is a damn ride. There are times I'm high. There are times I'm low, too. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's just where we are. And, and the thing about it is Kyrie has to deal with being on the, the leader of the Nets now without Kevin for, for a year until Kevin comes back. But then he also has to deal with the Celtics are successful hmm. right now. So he has Boston fans also chirping at him. Yep. Even though – you can't you can't just say that the Boston Celtics are successful now because Kyrie Irving left. That's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Have they're, playing, a lot better. they're playing. They're playing better. Yes, yeah. like you like so. But he's getting blamed for multiple things right now. So that can't be easy for him to deal with because he's dealing with his own team, but he's also dealing with other people chirping at him, and it, that just can't be easy on a guy who's always very open about his emotions. I also think about this like. Jokic is going through this a little bit right now because his play wasn't at the level that it was last year. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's also playing Denver though, so. But okay. pe what but people are talking. Well, no, I'm Denver? saying in terms of the, the the heat and the spotlight on him, it's people like it's so much more intense with Kyrie in New oh, York oh, than it is in Denver. I, I wasn't comparing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just giving I was giving an analogy with him, right? Because I was saying the fact that 
you know, talking to people over there, like Jokic comes from a small town in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jokic loves basketball. It doesn't necessarily mean that you love all the shit that comes with basketball. <laughs> and I, I almost feel like maybe that's a little bit of Kyrie. Like you, you sign up to be this elite player. You want to be great. It doesn't mean that you're elite at how to handle the media or you're elite at how to handle your feelings or how you respond back to people. It's not like Kyrie's coming out and saying, I'm going to be a role model. I want every young kid to be just like me. Like, he's never came out and said that. I don't haven't seen athletes come out and do that. And when I do find those type of athletes, I'm like, whoa, that's incredible that you can you know, hold to be that beacon of light. I just, I think sometimes we need to put shit in perspective. 100%. Yeah, and then, but then the counter is like, why are you doing Uncle Drew movies? Well, because people just like, like everybody, he probably wants to be famous a yeah, little bit too. He wants to, he wants in the spotlight again. I you know, have a podcast. All, I, I have to right, promote well, myself. Yeah, <laughs> so a little right. bit of I'll fall shit. back. I'll fall if back you, then. Fine. I'll fall back. You want to be famous? Please, 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 I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. sports about it. Kevin Garnett went on oh, another okay, podcast. Yeah, another podcast. Another podcast. Bill Simmons podcast. I respect hey. you for saying his podcast I'm, out loud. I respect. I mean, he, that. I wasn't that, for that, but that's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, that is like when you think of sports podcasts. I mean, that's like the god. It's one of the most popular. Yeah, ones. So like, I, I respect the homerism it, it, when I listen to it because because I like to bring a little bit of homerism into this as well. But for him, for KG to say that he broke LeBron James is so wild to me. Why? Because he didn't. He didn't break LeBron James. Do you think he did? No, I don't. I don't think he broke the James, but I also I don't live in the alternate reality of KG and the reality <laughs> that made KG fucking KG. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like in order, like it, it's it's funny. We want athletes to be unfiltered, but then when they become unfiltered, we criticize them for that. But that's the same competitive craziness that got him to be KG. He never thought rationally. I, I fucking KG. It's I like, don't want. It's like Gary Payton. I don't yeah. want to criticize him. I just Gary wanna... Payton talked shit about my mom when I was 19 years old, and I was like, <laughs> Jesus, "What Christ. the fuck?" Jesus. If we had known about this, we could have asked yeah, him. Yeah, we, we, we just Gary... had Gary on. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Gary's going to be on this uh, this episode when we put it together, yeah. But I'm not criticizing him. He can say whatever he wants. He's a legend. Uncut Gems is amazing. He's great in the film. But the statement that he made... I just don't agree with. I, do That's you- fair. No, I don't agree with it either. <laughs> uh, what I do agree with is psychological warfare in sports. And yeah. what I've seen, what, what I think KG was talking about at that time, is that LeBron now was nowhere close to being the LeBron that he was back then. Yeah. Right? He's mm-hmm. elevated as a, as a man, strength mentally as well. And I think seeing that weakness, that quote-unquote weakness for KG, like makes him tap into that because he knows he always holds that space for LeBron. So you think he's just poking at him still? One million he's percent. Still, do you think because that was it's like if you made decisions? If, if I talked about a loss that you had when you were 21, 22 years old, and I know that you were a different player, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got that off you. Bronze IG, Bronze IG post about it's going to be epic because oh, there's <laughs> for sure yeah, going to be a watch a watch king uh, 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 hashtag post. But I tell you what, I do respect. I, even when KG was expounding, he was like, look, you know, we did if we were to see D Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron, and we're me and and the truth and 
you know, he, he never says Ray, which is fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> he just never says Ray. Fascinating. Uh, but, like, you know, all these other guys, like, yeah, you know, we'll be cool. Like, there was respect, but we ain't messing with them. I like that. You know, that's how I'm still built to this day a little bit. Like, I don't like, I'm cool, but, like, I'm trying to rip people's heads off when I was playing. I mean, LeBron is teammates with Rondo now, though, so, I mean, they, they they would be messing with each other, I feel like. I mean, they are messing with each other. Yeah. Rondo hit him with the, the the pass fake the other day, and then Rondo <laughs> even took the shot last night. That I mean, was he, didn't look, he didn't even look at him. I but, was by the way, that, I'm like, why is Bron running away from the ball? <laughs> like, Bron, like, there's you're playing, you have a chance to win this game against Indiana. Why are you running away from the ball? Mm. And not that I get frustrated because I always find different things about you know, breaking people down off their greatness, but like, no, run towards the ball. Like, like, Rondo, you. give me the ball in the backcourt. Yeah. Clear out. I got this. I'm going to drive. I'm going to bang it over somebody. Sounds like my boy Skip over here. Adam, why are you looking at me? I'm just, it reminds me of a friend of Complex he's Sports, not, Skip Bayless right there. He's not hating on LeBron. He's just That's, that's an observation, but it's accurate. It's an accurate it's one. A very, it's, an accurate it's a very good ob- observation. Uh, by the way, the next hashtag from LeBron is going to be Broken King. Broken King? It's going to be. He, no, he's not switching up Watch King. Watch That's King. Watch. watch. It's going to be Broken wa- King. Watch. Wa- wa- <laughs> broken I, uh, by the way, can we talk about Watch King? No one actually thought LeBron was Watch, right? Like, Yeah, but sometimes you have to manufacture motivation. Yeah, it's that's that's what it is. That's yeah. exactly. You know, we we did a, I sat down uninterrupted the other day, and we did a, um, a little shoot with Trey Young, and I was saying, because, like, Trey and I had a really cool relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And, um it was interesting, like you say a critique about a player in a basketball form, like that's what I listened to. I didn't listen to any of the positive things being you know, said about me. I sought out those one or two negative things that were critiques of my game, and those faces like drove me to try to dominate people because it pissed me off, right? So it, it's interesting to me, like, yeah, for LeBron, like he took all that stuff and used it as ammunition, for sure. I never thought LeBron was washed. I think there's some players that are making a lot of headway on him because he's getting older, which happens in the game. But you still, you watch him last night, man. Like, the cat's incredible. Like, he just still. elevates everybody around him. He gets every, he gets people, he got Matthew Dellavedova paid. He <laughs> paid. did. Accurate. Paid. People, yeah. paid. Like, basketball fans don't know where Matthew Dellavedova's playing at. Cleveland, right? <laughs> I know, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, do. I have to watch him every night. <laughs> like, all these guys, like, that's what LeBron does. He elevates you, man. He yeah. does. He, that's why he's the MVP right now. Uh, that's why he's the MVP right debate. now. We, we, we had, that that not, we not, had that debate. A couple weeks I personally, ago. if you're going to ask me, like we asked Gary Payton, and he'll give you the answer later on. I would, if you're going to ask me and I had a vote, I would vote Giannis right now, number one. I would yeah. put AD number two. No, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we said, I said LeBron. I, we were debating him, but right now I got to give it to Giannis. Giannis passed him. It's couple, LeBron, man. LeBron is elevating that Lakers team. Like, he's got Alex Caruso playing well. I mean, he, he has Anthony Davis too. Like, it's, it's, it's but not, he's elevating Anthony Davis to a level we've never but seen. But you Anthony. can't use that against him because he's oh, yeah. another All Star in this team. And who's, yeah. the, who's the closer right now for the Lakers? When it's Anthony when Davis, push comes it's to Anthony it's Anthony Davis. That's a fair because, point. because LeBron's allowing Anthony Davis to be the closer because well, he's no, trying to prop LeBron, him up. Yeah, but LeBron's how, not closer. How many how many playoff games has Anthony Davis played that River really mattered? He's won a playoff series, but he needs to get Anthony Davis to He did it with Kyrie, and he's talked about it. You need to get your guys who haven't experienced championship-level play to that level, which I think is why he's letting Anthony Davis be the closer of the Lakers right now, and I think it's very smart come later. It's been cool to see that LeBron was a true, like, he was truly man of his word when he said, I'm going to defer to Anthony and make him get involved. Like, that's been what we've seen so far, and defense has obviously carried the Lakers to their level right now. Smartest player in the league. I'm not denying that LeBron's not the smartest player, and it's incredible. And the passing, it's like, it's absurd. Like, I feel like the passing's, like, elevated to, like, another level this year. But 
because AD leads them, again, I've said this multiple times to you, and you're shaking your head right now and rolling your eyes, but AD leads the Lakers in every single category except for assists. LeBron and he's been the closer of the number one team in the NBA. So for me, that's why I have AD above LeBron. But I get that LeBron Gian- makes his teammates better. If Giannis were in the picture, AD would probably win Defensive Player of the Year and NBA. Yeah, I think AD should I think AD should Defensive Player of the Year. You think, who's your pick right now? MVP, give us one. Giannis. Really? Yeah, it's, he's, it, he's I, just, I think right now, at, right now where the race is at, I think Giannis is slightly above. The, person- yeah, yeah, the personnel around him. That could change. Um, it, do you do you think- I, I I love Giannis. I just there's something about and it, I always get a little bit hesitant when I say Giannis because at the beginning of the year like I was still watching my man shoot air balls from the free throw line yes <laughs> and hit the side of the backboard on shots and I'm like can my MVP like this is my MVP like yeah. I know everybody else like can my MVP do that or do you believe in the Bucks like do you think they can they can win yes. a title I do I think if they get mm. the, a lot a lot depends on how the West eats itself. Okay. Depends we on, talked about the seeding earlier. Yeah, say the Clippers, Lakers run into each other. And right? I, I will say this. Like, yeah, I think Giannis is the most dominant player in the game. I would not look over to 76ers. And I, I know that there's a lot of questions. I know, you know, Ben Simmons needs to take a, a leap offensively. I know he's had a great defensive year. And, yeah, he's locking up the other team's best player. And I hear all that <laughs> cool shit. That sounds great. Fuck that. <laughs> like, I need Ben Simmons to be the Ben Simmons that we know Ben Simmons could be. Like, I just feel like if you play with a little bit more energy, yeah. like Ben Simmons would be averaging like 19, 12, and 11. Like, it's not hard. It's not unrealistic. It's there. For Ben Simmons to do that. We've yeah. seen the jump shot in all the summer videos. Do you think and I'll ask you this question. Can the 76ers, can, can a team win an NBA championship with their best player being their big? Mm. It's, such a, it's such a guard-heavy league that, that I want to say no, but... I do really like that 76er squad. I like them to come out of the East over the Bucks because there's something about the Bucks that I just but, feel is missing. But if we're if we're gonna rank on, but the one thing we have to th- think about and bring up is that if you're gonna rank on the Rockets as being a suspect playoff team because of the half court offense, so you watch the 76ers. It's yeah, tough to 100%. watch them at half court, and like their offense is predicated completely on the defense. I almost, think, the, I almost think it's so it's by default because I look at the entirety of the East and I look at their lineup. It's the biggest team in the East. No, the length is the same as the Lakers, but it's like it can overwhelm you. And defensively, going to be an absolute beast to deal with. But it's such a struggle sometimes in the half court sets. It's painful to watch. They need need more out of Horford. They really need to, I think, develop him as really stretch the floor. Obviously, he does great work on the block. He's in the corner half the time. I mean, yeah, they need. That's what I'm saying. They need to unlock him being more maybe that pick and roll actually stretch the floor like open up a little bit for them i think it's they're like, a shoot- like jj reddick back they yeah. need they're a shooter yeah. away i yeah. think i and maybe the pelicans start selling i mean that team is i we saw drew holiday rumors this week that yeah. i mean obviously i don't think they there's been no get, rumors about jj so far i feel for my man jj like, well literally the two yeah, guys. Yeah, but this, this is what he paid. wants he got paid but i know how competitive he is right like we live in the same building and i know my man it's like like you got so close last year now you're so far away that's challenging i mean Maybe they'll think about buying him out. Maybe no, no he's not getting bought. He's not getting bought for two years. He's not getting bought. Two years, twenty-four. I mean, yeah, may, maybe not. there's a trade there. If Philly's a shooter away. I I think if they would have got Corver, obviously he went to the Bucks. Bucks. I think yeah, but they're a shooter away. I think the Bucks. I don't know. They're missing Brogdon to me. They really are. Though I'll tell you one thing. Last watching Brogdon the other night, man. Like I. I will always question about Malcolm Brogdon being 1A. Like, he, he kind of proved last night. He was like, yo, I could be 1A. I could be the first option. Maybe not all the time. But, like, I, I wonder about that team. Like, I ain't trying to see the Pacers if I'm 
The seven, if I'm the Celtics. Well, when Oladipo comes back, yeah. yeah, yeah. Be, be good. Well, yeah. well, the thing is, on the Bucks, he would never have had to have been one A. Exactly. Like he never gets that experience if he doesn't go to Indy. For yeah. sure, it's just yeah, I don't know. Shifting to the West a little bit, obviously, big Christmas game, Lakers Clippers. Yep. Where where are you kind of feeling? Obviously, the Lakers are rolling. Lakers are better right now. Right now, how close I, is it though? Is it? I just don't know if I believe in the front line for the Clippers. Like that's a that's a question mark for me. What haven't Zubac you seen from Zubats? I mean, again, he's not he's not closing. He's just starting and feeling yeah. good minutes. He's been better defensively. He's then they go he's, smaller when they close. Right? They do, yeah. I mean, because Montrez is the only kind of true big on the court. But I think you know from from seeing Zubats the last couple seasons, like you've seen a massive um, jump in his in him defensively. Like he blocks shots. He defends, he alters some shots around the rim, rebounds, and he's not on the floor the final five minutes. It's Montrez, Lou, PG, Kawhi, and Beverly if and Landry kind of shuffling in out of the lineup. So, I mean that that look, I think it's gonna be an epic matchup. I just think that the Lakers have a slight advantage. I mean, is Dwight right gonna be in the court in the final five minutes for the Lakers? No. Yeah. No, no, no. no. But still that that dude, that that size advantage though. That's no, a, we saw, like, the first quarter of the game in the first game of the season between the it Lakers was, and Clippers. It, it, was a there was, it was a struggle. Like, I mean, the Clippers couldn't get up any good shots. They kind of figured them out a little bit. Kawhi well, started going off. Paul, they didn't Paul George. But, but also, no, they didn't, uh, that, yeah. yeah, that's so the other kind of what, you know, what's the, qualifier. What's the Clippers, when we get to the playoffs, they're five that they're going to run with? The close? The close. Yeah, it's going to be Lou, Lou PG, see. Kawhi, Montrez, and then you're going to shuffle in and, out, in and out Landry and Patrick Beverly based yeah. on matchups. Yeah, that's a tough five. That's it. No, it's it's who can impose their will from small ball to big ball. And yeah. you can, and you can what maybe, I've seen with playoff basketball is that it favors the half court big ball team when it comes down to those limited possessions. The one thing too I'll say is that don't you know again this is me being at a ton of Clippers games and, and enough Lakers games too. Like the Lakers have an immense look, amount of size. Are you looking out there being mixy in LA? I go to a lot of games. I don't have much to do out in LA, so I go I go to the games. <laughs> <laughs> I have zero. Adam being mixy in LA. I have yes. zero social life in LA except when New Yorkers come out to town. So I go to a lot uh, of games. All right. But like, the, there's. I think the Clippers have more length than people give them credit for because you have Mo Harkless and Jermichael Green coming off the bench, and those guys are like yes. low key lanky and I can rebound and that. defend too. And Mo can come into this closing lineup also a little bit here and there. So the Clippers I, are deep. They're, they're deep. They're so that's, deep. That's, they're that's, so that's, deep. That's why I like. That's why I like them. They're getting Landry back. He was obviously hurt. The Lakers, obviously, like who guards AD? I think that's the biggest question for the Clippers. I think it. Just, I, I also think it comes down to this guy's like, you know, who's healthy at the end of the year. Hundred percent, right? yeah. And um, I'll tell you, like I would low manage Kawhi too. Like I watch Kawhi run. Kawhi looks like he's fifty sometimes, man. <laughs> you got? Am I the only one that sees this? No, it's like it's, just the way he thing. moves. Like it doesn't seem like it's fluid and agile. It's like. It take, he's still efficient, but it takes work for him. So I want to preserve him as much as possible. Have you heard of any NBA player having an hour routine after the game to like kind of come down and just get themselves ready for like next games? Because what happens was when Kawhi gets done with the game, um, he won't come out and talk to the media for like an hour, hour and a half after the game. And he does like weight sessions, massages, special stretches, like saunas, yoga sessions. He does like a crazy post-game routine that I've never heard of or seen a player do in like you know, in, for the limited amount of time I've covered the NBA, but like yeah, he's only 28. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, it's no, I, I haven't heard yeah. of that. I'm around a lot of guys. You know, we got into this whole argument today because I, and I know we work in media, but it's like sometimes, man, we sensationalize stuff like to a crazy degree. Like, who are the players that are really low managing right now in the NBA? 
Well, let me ask you this question. Should LeBron be load managed? Because the number of the minutes he's putting up right now and the fact he's playing every game, playing awesome level. His minutes are down, though. His, I mean, his, but his usage is basically, I think it's up near yeah, high levels. But, but Giannis, Giannis has been load managed. He has. Yeah. Well, I'm asking, so, but I'm asking you, LeBron right now is playing like ridiculous level. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like a 28-year-old at 35. He obviously had time off for the first time in his career, basically, you know, this summer, and he came back rejuvenated. But can he keep up this pace at 35 with a guy who had a big injury last year? And don't you want to save him for the playoffs anyway? And I know LeBron doesn't want to be load-managed. But, like, shouldn't the Lakers at some point consider that down the stretch? Yeah, I think you give him a minutes count. Okay. Yeah. I think but, you still let him play. Like, I obviously don't want the machine to Let stop. him play 28 as opposed to 35. Or, yeah, or maybe sometimes let him play 15, 20. Like, it's yeah. – He'll never – Like, I will, mean, will, will he do but, that, but, though? But, but here's my thing, right? Enough. We're talking about, like, that's what Phil Jackson had to do with Michael. I mean, I'm not saying – like that specific example as far as load management, but that's the job of your coach. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go out and be great all the damn time, but I need to get you out of your own way in order to make sure that we need to do what we need to do in order to win a championship. And if you're talking to LeBron realistically, I know you don't want to sit out some games, but we also want to make sure that you're in the best possible position health wise to be ready for a big time run. Cause it's it, playoffs. Man. It's Cause it really matters in June. It, like This is just, this is just people, you know. We, We're filling gaps, man. We need yeah. stuff to talk about. We need something to talk about. And this is going to, like, all, all the storylines, all the narratives are going to come out of this game. Everybody's going to act like it's, like, the biggest game of the season, which at this point it will be. Um, before we get out of here. Can I just tell you something real quick yeah. about what I love about LeBron? Yeah, tell us. Um, dude, I, I just, I think there's this new wave with athletes and business overall, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times I would see athletes when I was younger make investments in different things, and now – sitting down talking to guys like they're actually competent and they know what the hell they're talking about. We we did sit down with Spencer Dinwiddie and the fact the other day that he he explained to me who's going to be up for an all-star. I think he should be an all-star. Yes, he should. No, he should. He should be. He should be. Okay. Okay. I've been saying that. He should be an East all-star. Kate for you, man. Go ahead. Yeah. I've been saying Spencer Dinwiddie's an all-star. He's been great. Exactly. Man is carrying that team. But him actually breaking down in layman's terms about what the hell it is to tokenize his contract and why he wanted to do that and breaking down what blockchain is. And I, I just think it's a new age, man. And one of the coolest parts, like I've always wanted to use my platform to become more diverse, diversified in what's happening business-wise and seeing this wave between the NBA culture and what athletes are doing and building that process out throughout the boardroom, man, has been incredible. So I appreciate you guys allowing me to have the opportunity to come on and talk about that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, really, it's really a great place where athletes can come on and just really express themselves outside of on the court stuff and you know really talk about that business and it's really great for fans to be able to watch that and kind of get that perspective because a lot of fans don't get that just when they watch these guys on the court and you know put up numbers and that kind of thing well we all, it also allows me to talk to them about the sport that they play too right mm-hmm, yes so it's 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 a cool lane because i just use it to open doors like we sat down with deshaun watson and he got equity in this company called rally that's essentially like a new york stock exchange for antique products and we spent half the conversation about his new contract coming up and if he saw himself in the same light as uh, Russell Wilson or, you know, a Tom Brady and why he was different. He taking me through, you know, progressions that he saw, you know, during multiple plays and reversing those progressions for the plays. It was just like watching a savant yes. talk, too. So it also allows me to probe about their sport, too, which the, is fascinating. The clip of him talking about uh, the first check that he saw was so exactly. good. So good. Before we get you out of here, we got to do it. Zion's a Duke fan. You're a Duke legend. Give you got to give us your all-time Duke starting five. My all-time Duke starting five. Yes, not guys you just played with. Just everybody. 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 We're yeah. going the, the the pool. Yeah, I'm going with um, 
Kyrie and myself in the backcourt. I like that backcourt. I already have. I already have an issue. Well, yeah, we should disqualify Kyrie because of eleven games. We, no, <laughs> he donned the Duke jersey. He won a lot. Well, here the rest of the starting five. Let's I already, have, I already have. I already have. Let's get through the rest of the starting five. I already have a uh, counterpoint, but go ahead. So we're playing in today's age. Yeah, Basically. you can, you yeah, can be qualifying all time. Or just like my all time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I go with uh, Kyrie Irving, myself, Leitner. Um, we need a big. We need like a real big dude. I'm trying to go positionless basketball here. Not an obvious choice? Grant Hill. Hands I was down. thinking someone I else. I was about though. to say, yeah. You can't leave He's Grant an executive right now. Yeah. Get Zion in there. Hold on, man. Also, how do you have Bobby Hurley on this list? Bro, because what? I have me on yeah, this. Yeah, get Bobby Hurley. <laughs> Bobby Hurley's Hurley a here. legend. He's a college Hurley. legend. I like get the squad right now. I, Bobby Hurley. I would maybe go Disrespecting Zion. history right I here. Maybe so, go Zion. so what, yourself, Kyrie, Leitner, Grant Hill, and Zion. Bro, I'm leaving Leitner off there, to be honest. That's, who, I'm struggling for with who, though? For who, though? There are so many bigs nowadays. I mean, if you want to keep Zion on, you could get another wing in there. Um, Battier? Obviously, I'd put... Battier was the one person I, I was thinking about just because... i put Battier over him. I'd take Marvin Bagley over him, too. All right. I take Marvin Bagley. <laughs> right. I'm not ready. Yeah, we're all right. On that note, on that But it's four years. You got to think about Zion. a four-year yeah. player versus a freshman. If Marvin Bagley stayed all four years, he would have been better than Christian Leitner. I'm, I'm look. Christian Leitner is very good. It all depends on how how you qualify better. I mean, he got he went back to back. He was two-time national. My guy was years. averaging 22 and uh, 11. Let me let me. Late hit me with this story one time. I never forget this. We were taking a picture at the fantasy camp. And this guy was like, oh, yeah, you know, take a picture of you late in there. And Jay, come on here. Leighton's like, yeah, but you want to take a picture of a two-time national player of the year. And I was like, wait. Wow. Two-time national player of the year, too. <laughs> yeah, as well. <laughs> as well. Let's get it. Yeah. Let's take Tell a picture together. But Tell him. That's where Leighton was different, though. Like, yeah. I just think – I'm not saying that Marvin Bagley wasn't competitive. Yeah. But there was a different level with the way late yeah. went at the game because people, I think, looked at him as cookie cutter and – you know, the altar boy, and that played into – he was nasty too, though. I'll give him credit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like my starting five. That's good. I think it's uh, it's going to be hard to beat our – that's a tough starting five. I'm sure, I'm sure Twitter will, will, will have plenty of uh, – uh, Why do you have a problem with Kyrie? Because he said Bobby Hurley. Because I think Bobby Hurley is a legend. Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving. You're going to take Bobby over Kyrie? This, this, college this is player? wild. This is wild. No, Did we're talking about player. Kyrie? Bro, that's what I'm, that's what I told yeah, him. You're, you're crazy. You know how legendary Bobby Hurley was? I understand. What does Bobby legendary to... Bobby Hurley was fucking phenomenal. Uh, Bro, Kyrie Irving was, was going to be the pick? national player of the year. Guaranteed. Yeah. He Bobby had was that a top. Lot. Wasn't Bobby top ten? Yeah, but Kyrie was first. First overall. First overall. I know Kyrie can do things that Bobby can't. I get that completely. Yes. But Bobby was really fucking good. Kyrie would turn Kyrie could Bobby Hurley to <laughs> dust. Bobby's one of the greatest college players of all time. And I know people forget about me, but who's stopping that backcourt? Yep. Nobody. I'm who's not saying I'm not saying that. Who's I'm just saying overall. I'm saying it? overall credentials and resume. I would give it to Bobby. Yeah. Well, obviously, because he played there's longevity there. I yeah. guess and yes. he had Christian Leitner on his team. That helps, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. And Grant Hill on his team. By the way, I'll say this. Yo, the closest thing, I mean, I know Kobe was very close to Mike. Grant Hill was yes. very, very close to Mike. Yes, thank you. I think people Educate. have one of the biggest one ever. One of the biggest one ever. Detroit, yeah. Me. Yeah. yeah, one of the biggest. What have coulda, shoulda, yeah. Look at you. Being no Look I'm at not you. hating on that. No, no, just no, hating. That's not. That's How not could you hate that's, on Grant Hill? That's not me being dark. No, he's not. That's not me. That's not me being dark. I'm just saying, woulda, coulda, shoulda. If the ankle held up, he would have been an all-time great. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, he owns part of the Hawks. He's, done, he's done just well. Yeah. He's, he's done well fine for himself. himself. Yes. Fair. Jay Will. Job, thank you. Thank you so much Zion, for coming respect, through. Appreciate Amazing it, episode. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. Thank Please you. start wearing lighter colors, man. I can't, man. I can't. I have to bring the darkness to sunny LA. Look at this guy. All right. Thank you so much for coming through. We appreciate you. You're welcome anytime to stop by. Love and respect. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, that was awesome. Jay Williams dropped some knowledge with us. Now we're going to transition into the legendary Gary Payton calling in. We're going to talk the Christmas Day NBA games and just the league at large. Let's get to it. Well, we appreciate you calling in today. Thank you very much, Gary, for coming on. No problem. Uh, so we're about to talk some uh, some Christmas Day hoops. Uh, big day for the NBA. It's kind of uh, a benchmark that people like to say is uh, – you know the NBA season really gets underway. Gary, what what's your initial thoughts on the on the overall slate this season uh, for the Christmas Day games? Well, I think it's going to be a lot of nice matchups on Christmas Day. Uh, it, should, it should be really, really, really uh, interesting. Um, I didn't think the NBA would think about the Houston Golden State Golden State matchup or the Pelicans matchup. I think they thought Zion was going to be playing, uh, but. Uh, I think otherwise, with the Clippers playing the Lakers, that's going to be a great matchup. So I think everybody's going to get a treat on Christmas. Yeah, I wish they could have flexed it out like the NFL a little bit. Like, you know, this this marquee game or day for the NBA, you really could get the best, best matchups. And not, you know, obviously, Pelicans, Nuggets, and Rockets, Warriors ain't going to live up to what we thought it would be in the regular season. But you still have three really, really awesome matchups. And everyone's going to point, Gary, to the Lakers and Clippers being the best one. But of the other two really marquee ones, which ones are you? Which one are you really, really keying in on as probably the low-key second-best game of the day? Um, right now, I haven't got that matchup in front of me. Who was the other uh, two matchups? We, we got Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, Raptors are the two Eastern Conference matchups. In my mind... Bucks, six, I think the Bucks, Bucks Sixers is going to be the next key one. Are those the two best teams in the Eastern Conference in your mind right now, Bucks Sixers? Yeah, I really, really do think so. Everybody's saying about the Sixers how they they're they're going to have problems in the all in the, in the uh, postseason because they don't have jump shooters or stuff like that. But everybody understands they're long, they're big, they play defense. I don't think that the the the, the Boston Celtics have enough firepower to beat them. You know, especially if Embiid plays on the block and dominates the way he should dominate. And Simmons, I don't care if he doesn't have a jump shot, having nobody stop him from getting into the paint. And then plus with them, with them adding Horford, uh, Richardson, and the young fellow Thibault, I think, and, and Harris, that's going to be a, a, a big thing to stop five or six great basketball players. And I think Boston, you know, they got – Almost three people, three guys that's averaging over 20, which is great. But I don't know if that's going to work against a team that can play defense and do that. Then you go to Toronto. Um, they don't have Kawhi this year. You know what I'm saying? They don't have a stopper. They don't have a guy like that. And I don't know if they can. They got a lot of guys that's stepping up. But Pascal is, is stepping up and doing a great job. You know, um, if, is Lowry going to be able to play and withstand without getting hurt? Uh, you know, we, we're looking at Van Vliet. Is he's going to be okay? But we don't know. But I think them two guys, Milwaukee by far, Milwaukee by far, and then Philadelphia is right is, is there, right there with them, right at this point. So I think there are the two best teams in the East. So what you've seen from the Sixers so far, where the half court offense has kind of been a slog and really difficult to watch at times. 
You're not concerned about that going to the playoffs. I know we're a long way away from that, but I mean, what we've seen in the half court sets with Philadelphia, like sometimes it's hard to watch them and hard to envision them executing effectively in the postseason with what we've seen so far. Well, you guys, y'all guys are thinking about in the '90s. That's when we stopped <laughs> and, did, and, did, and, did, and did and did set up plays and did that. Come on now, this basketball is not like that right now. You know what I'm saying? These guys are out on the blank. They're they're trying to make things happen. And as you see, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, along with Thibault and Simmons and Richardson, they create turnovers. And when they create turnovers, what do that that equalize? What do that um, neutralize into? It goes into fast break points. That's what it does. And when you're getting fast break points like that, that's not you know, and you can keep the floor and keep it running and keep it running. That's what they're gonna do. Now, like we said, if they have to go into a, a half court offense. To me, they have not established having Embiid uh, be that guy to go to. You know, get his back to the basket. Can't nobody really stop him if he think about it. But he wants to play on a perimeter. But don't play on a perimeter and do that. Let it understand. And I think they're going to have to figure that out during the playoffs because some teams are going to try to do that. But I don't think in this NBA right now you can do that and contain that, contain that in the NBA game right now, even in the playoffs, which when in the nineties we could do that. The mm-hmm. Knicks, the 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 Knicks, the the uh the Detroit Pistons, guys like that, we and then the uh Utah Jazz and ourselves, Seattle Seattle, we can get you in into a half court game and play defense and, and and stop you. But right now that's not happening in the NBA. Gary, do you do you have any concerns about the Bucks? They're obviously rolling right now. Uh, they they made a, a deep run last year, but they did kind of fizzle out in the playoffs. Um, do you think that they improved enough? They had a Kyle Korver. Um, do they have enough shooting? Like, it, 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 I don't I don't know. It seems like there's, in my opinion, there's like one thing missing from that team. One thing missing is is that what I think that that is missing is Brogdon. That's what's missing. Yeah, he's yeah. Now in, he's, now, he's now in Indiana. Mm-hmm. That was the guy who came off the bench or who was there that gave you that extra pump. You know that Middleton is going to be kind of steady. He's going to keep you with 19 and 20, but he is. You've seen last night against Dallas, even without Luka. They, they struggled against a team that can shoot and, and, be, and, and, and can make shots. And do a lot of th- and do things. You had you had uh, Giannis who had 48 points or something like that, and they couldn't do it. Nobody else was near him. It was other the other players was like 16, 17. Bledsoe didn't even come to show up. And then all of a sudden, UC Dallas, uh, Rapazingas, he he has a great game. Cur- uh, uh, Curry has a good game. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, you had Hardaway have a good game. They had five and six guys at double figure, and I don't think that, you know, uh, Milwaukee can contain that just with Giannis being by himself because in the playoffs, some of them teams are going to say, oh, let's just do doubling like Kawhi did and, and, and put a player on him and see what happens and make the other players beat us. And that's what would, would happen. And, and I think that they're missing Brogdon because he was that guy who was, who was aggressive, who had a lot of things, you know, had a lot of other things in his game that can help this team out and gave them that third ump. And they don't have that right now. And, you know, they've been on a great roll, but a good team, and like in Dallas, who's, 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 came, who's been coming up, came in there and beat them on their home court floor and showed people that this is what we got to do. You got to attack them, you got to make shots, and you got to be, and you got to, you got to stay aggressive on them. 
So it sounds like, Gary, you're still like a big time, or I shouldn't say still, but you really like the Sixers to come out of the East as presently constituted. Yeah, I, I think the Sixers got it all back. They they are a big basketball team and they play defense. I think they play defense and that's what's going to help a lot of it. You got to see, guys got to understand, for the last couple of years, we used to watch Golden State when they got into the playoffs. Everybody said a jump shooting team couldn't win. But you got to think about it. When they got into the playoffs and they did it, they start playing T and defense with, with, um, with Draymond being the key guy. They were even making Curry play defense, and I think this, this Philadelphia team has that same kind kind of build because when they're going to get in the playoffs, they're going to play defense, and they're going to play, and they're going to make things tough for everybody. And then they, everybody else has got to understand, can they keep them out of transition and get off so many points? Because their team, they get to the paint. They get a lot of points in the paint every night. I completely agree with you on the Sixers. Uh, obviously, the Rockets-Warriors matchup isn't as great as, as we would have hoped beginning of the season, but I still want to bring up the Rockets with you because they're such a polarizing team. You know, Harden's putting up these crazy numbers. Everybody's wondering if the Harden-Westbrook thing is going to work. Just give us your thoughts on that, that kind of that pairing, and what's the ceiling for this Rockets team, you think? Well, the pairing is great because I think what has happened now is that Westbrook has understand that he's just trying to help the team. He doesn't took it. He, he knows that this is – this is James' team. James is putting up great numbers, but you guys got to understand, if they may score 158 and that other team is scoring 156, <laughs> that's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? At because all, at they, all. That's not going to work because you, you can get beat any time. Hard to have 60, but they're winning by only one and two or they lose sometimes. So that game, so they have to pick that up. Uh, I had an interview with Capello the other night. And Capello said the same thing. They have to pick up their defense for them to be a good basketball team. You know, uh, uh, last night, they had, a, they had a close one last night with San Antonio. They did a great job of coming back uh, because the San Antonio team depleted, and, and they're not that good. But what happened is, is that they don't play defense, man. And what did San Antonio do? They, they broke down and let, let, let Harden get hot, and then all of a sudden they came back. You can't do that. I, I still think that you're going to have to play defense in the in 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 um, playoffs and to win any kind of basketball game. Do you see the Harden stuff? Like, I mean, we've seen it like kind of break down in the playoffs. Like, are they just heading towards that again to where you can't just ride James Harden isos all the way through the playoffs? It's just not going to be successful. That's not going to work. I, I, I don't believe in that, and I think a lot of people are seeing that too. You can't do it. They've been doing that for so long, and – in, in, in the last couple of years, and it doesn't work. I, I get it. He's a great scorer, great scorer, great basketball player. He has used this era to score basketball points and do the things that he's supposed to do, and nobody can stop him. I think that it's still that you have to get some – a lot of them other guys have to be involved. They have to be ready and, 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 and be ready to knock down shots. They've been doing a good job with that, but like I said, the Achilles heel of this team – is can they play defense and can they stop somebody else? If you get a guy, if you go and play in the, the Kawhis and the, and the Paul Georges and the, and, the, and the LeBrons and the ADs, are you going to stop their two superstars? Are you going to stop them from getting 80 points? Is they're going to start? Is they're going to be averaging 30 and 30? See, and that's going to not that's not going to work. And then they play defense. They block shots and they do a lot of things. They do good things. You know what I'm saying? And they're all the team. And then if they bring their guys along. You know, that's going to be a ride that you can't stop them, and, and, and they're going to be able to stop you. 
All right, so let's transition over to the big game today, the one everyone's going to be tuned in for, and that's Lakers-Clippers. Um, Ooh, I can't wait. You know, yeah, can't this is wait. obviously the, the, the big one, the second matchup between these two teams. They obviously opened the season with a Clippers win, and, you know, we obviously overreacted to that one game to start the season. But, you know, Gary, we've seen these two teams um, evolve a little bit over the past couple months, and the Lakers have been, I think, gotten off to a much better start than pretty much everyone thought they would and they've looked awesome we can point to the schedule being a little bit on the easy side Clippers obviously with Paul George and uh Kawhi in the mix looking stout and maybe has not maybe I think has the deepest team in the league but um just you know give us your take on this with round two between LA's teams the battle for LA um Lakers hot Clippers still doing their thing what do you expect to see into any kind of I guess transitions or or differences we're going to see in the second matchup well, that's a good, this is a good this is a good conversation to have. You guys, um, I went to the first game and the Lakers didn't know their identity at that time. They didn't know nothing with what's going on, what was happening. LeBron didn't have a good game. Uh, you know, Rondo was not playing. Uh, Dwight Howard wasn't playing. wasn't playing um, wasn't playing really well. And I think that Kawhi dominated that game. 40 or something like that. He dominated that game. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think that the, the Lakers are well advanced to them right now. They're playing every night. They're not doing load management. Their two superstars are having great years. And LeBron is playing to another level. Didn't nobody think that he was going to be playing like this and almost averaging a triple-double. And then you get AD, who's, who's he's giving you 30 and 40 every other night. And, and all the rebounding, he's doing a great job, too. And then the guys, Dwight, uh, JaVel McGee, uh, Pope is all coming along. Rondo is coming off the bench. Even Caruso is coming in and giving them great minutes. And this is a different Laker team than game one. And if the Clippers are not together like they are, I don't think they have a chance to beat them. Even when they put the defense together, Beverly has not been playing. He's been hurt a little bit. So they're not the team that the Lakers are right now. I think the team, are, the team, the Lakers are a more a cohesive team together. And I, I think that this is going to be interesting because I think all, I think the Clippers are going to probably have their whole team, but I don't think they're at the level where the Lakers are right now as being together. Wow. So it, it sounded like you're, you're, you're really uh, leaning towards the Lakers over the Clippers kind of right now, huh? I am right now. If, if, if we watching it right now, yes, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards that. You see where what happened the other night with the Clippers and, and when they went into Chicago. Uh, Kawhi, the night before that, they have 46 and 42. Then all of a sudden, Kawhi takes a break. And then Paul George is out there. Paul George is, yeah, he's going to get worn down a little bit. You know, if he keeps trying to have to score 40 and get the, get the team to win. Lou Williams wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, what? You lose to a lonely Chicago Bulls team. And that's not going to work. You know, and Chicago, and Chicago, they shouldn't have never lost to Chicago, but they did that because that's not everybody's not together. And I think the Lakers are going into places now, and they're on a 14-game win streak on the road. Crazy. And they play Indiana today, and then before they go into the big matchup on Thursday against Milwaukee, but now it's not going to be really a big answer because Milwaukee loses last night. Mm-hmm. So, but it's still going to be a great game. But the Lakers have something to play for. They they want to be 15, 
on a 15-win streak uh, on the road when they go into Milwaukee and show them everybody, well, yeah, we are the team to beat, and we are the best team in the NBA because uh, one is 24-4, and four, the other one is 24-3. and three. You know what I'm saying? So that's what they're going to do, and I think that, that the Lakers are establishing themselves as who they want everybody to understand that they're, they're the best team in the NBA. Do, do you still think it's Lakers, Clippers, Western Conference Finals? Like, do you see anybody – Obviously, we don't know the seeding yet. It's still far away. But do you still see the Clippers as the second-best team in the West? Right now, the Clippers are the second-best team in the West. Uh, and when I first picked in the beginning of the year, I thought the Clippers were going to be the number one team, and I thought the Clippers would be uh, winning the NBA championship. But right now, as the Lakers are playing the way they are, they have come up to be the number one team in the West right now, which they are the number one team in the West. So the Clippers are, are, are right there. I think they're still going to beat them, too, in, in, in the championship, uh, the Western Conference Finals. So I, I, I'm still saying that. You know, I don't see no other team beating them. Dallas is playing well. Houston, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, you know, these teams, other teams are, 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 are there, but I don't think they're going to be able to, to compete with them, too. All right, Gary, sticking with the Lakers here, who deserves more MVP props? Is it LeBron or is it AD? Tough question. Because we uh, have Chops and I will it, have this argument. Is it tough? It, I, it, in my mind, it's it's LeBron hands down. I don't know, though. Maybe, maybe and I think, wrong. yeah, I'm personally on the AD bandwagon here where because he's leading them in every single statistical category except for yeah. assists. And I know that LeBron makes his teammates better, but what AD's been doing and basically serving as the closer for the Lakers, like I think that deserves more love for the MVP. So let me tell you guys this. Uh, you both are right. Both are on the same page. I think they're both equal as right now. Because if you take AD away, do you think the, the, the Lakers will be where they're at? No. If you take LeBron away, do you think the Lakers will be where they're at? No. So we look at both of their numbers. I think both of them are playing very, very well. So we we can't say that because if you take either one of them away, I don't think the Lakers will still be the same basketball team. One of you guys can say, okay, yeah, LeBron will be doing more for this player or whatever. But you still won't be getting that 30-some points a game or for, from AD. And would it be different? You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 kind of a, a push to it or a catch to it. And I think that AD is leading the Lakers in everything except this. Assist. LeBron is on the 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 the, the, the uh, mindset of now. Let AD get go to work. Let him do that, and I'm gonna do everything else. But as if I was there right now, I think both of them are very equal right now. Uh, I don't know who's going to come out and pull that out and, and do it because look at both of their numbers. Both of their numbers are great. And we can't say it right now. It's everybody's opinion. But I think if you lose either one of them teams, either one of them players, the Lakers wouldn't be who they are. Neither one of them, I don't think, would, would have this Lakers team playing the way they are. They both playing the, the way they're supposed to. That's why they went and got AD. So then LeBron could be this way. And I think both of them deserves MVP. I think they're both equal right now. That, that makes a lot of sense. Gary, it seems like you really like this Dallas squad. Um, are you buying fully into the Luka hype? Because I really like Luka, but it seems like the hype got really quick, like really hot, really fast. I'm fully in on this kid. Okay. You guys got you guys to understand. If you watch him play like I do every day, uh, this kid is incredible. He can score whenever he wants to. He's a big guard like LeBron. And Magic was, he sees over the floor, he sees everything. He shoots the three with ease. He gets to the bucket whenever he feels like it. His only Achilles heel is that can he play defense against somebody else. He showed against the Lakers. He went into L.A. He went into 
He went into Staples Center and beat the Los Angeles Lakers by himself in the third quarter. Beat them. Destroyed them by himself. And you guys got to understand, this kid is unreal in, in, in his second year in the NBA. He does things with so much ease and so much confidence and having fun doing it. But what is, what is, what is happening is he's making everybody else around him better. Yeah. They make everybody around him better. He makes all of them players be the different players. Last year, they weren't anything like this. And now you're seeing them almost in the fourth and fifth spot right now in the, in the, in the playoffs. And nobody thought this Dallas team would be there. And look what they do last night without him. He has so much put them in so much confidence in their players that they go in last night to a team that's won 18 games in a row, going for a, a record for their franchise. And they go into Milwaukee and beat this team, and they beat them easily by scoring the basketball and with a lot of confidence. And then what he does, he's on Instagram and Twitter tweeting every time saying this about his team, how great they are and that it all day. That's a guy that I got a lot of confidence in, and I think that he's a great basketball player right now at year number two. All right, so Gary, you're obviously big on Luka, I think, as everyone is. We talked LeBron, we talked AD, we talked Giannis a little bit, but, you know, a quarter through the season right now, um, I think those four guys are probably your MVP frontrunners or at least definitely need to be in the mix. Who would be your MVP right now as we head towards Christmas? Uh, I would have to go with Giannis. Uh, All right. That he, Why is that? that the, the number that he's putting up and the, the numbers that he's doing uh, is just un, 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 remarkable. Uh, I can you can go at AD or LeBron or Luca, but if you see that this guy is putting up better numbers than when he won the MVP last year, so and then look what his team is doing. Uh, look what he did last night, uh, but he just didn't have enough help last night, which he usually do have from his teammates. And last night they didn't help him a lot, so he had 48, almost 15 rebounds or 14 rebounds or something like that. And and look what he does, and he gives to the basket. And so as nobody did. But what I'm think, what I'm liking about him right now is that he's making people think about his jump shot now. He's taking these threes when he needs to, and he's hitting them. You know, he's not a consistent as whatever right now with everybody, but he's making people understand that yeah, I can shoot this, and I'm going to shoot it. And when you get somebody to do that, that's that's that's, that's big. And if he masters that, it's going to be he's going to be unstoppable. Uh, Gary, this is the load management podcast. So to wrap things up, I just got to get your thoughts on load management because it seems like with the Clippers situation, you think load management is kind of hindering them, right? Is that is that what I was picking up? Yeah, load management to me is crazy. I, I don't I don't get load management. They they changed the they changed the uh, the name to rest management. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, these guys these guys to me guys don't they don't practice. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to get some rest practice uh go don't practice you know what i'm saying go through walkthroughs do things like that you know what i'm saying do do that type of stuff uh i'm just not a big fan of that you know i'm not i'm not a big fan i never did it i, I don't want to do it i think these guys uh they get paid a lot of money uh it's it's no it's no reason why you should i think uh, back to backs you only playing two hours you know just just rest yourself rest yourself on on the offensive end and and play on the defensive end. I'm not. I'm just not a big fan of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we feel you. It seems like a lot of a lot of guys from your era really really uh, aren't fans of it either. So I mean that makes a lot of sense. Definitely from when how the game was played back in the '90s and everything. Right, and we you know we went out every night. You know it, it's every night. Even if if we had a a, a sprained ankle, we would tape it up so much, and then 
uh, take some Advil and then get out there. You know what I'm saying? So that that's just the way it was. I mean, nowadays, uh, you know, a lot of guys, you know, they get a little tweaks and names. They think for the future. Uh, you can get hurt in the future, man. You can get hurt anytime. So I think if you could play and you could be productive for your team, I think you should be out there. Those goddamn millennials. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yo, Gary, thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast. Uh, NBA Christmas Day slate. We can't wait to watch. Uh, Gary Payton, you are a legend. Thank you for coming on with us. Thanks, Gary. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Anytime, man. And you guys have a good, a good holidays and a good Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's. Be safe out there. You too. Thanks, man. Merry Christmas. Uh, all right, Merry Christmas. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.